How many of you know that the the there was a Word of God famine for about four four hundred and fifty years between the Old Testament and the New Testament? God didn't speak to His people, so the worst thing you can have is a famine, isn't it? Isn't it a famine of God's Word and God's men shut up? Now, I'm glad that we have the Holy Spirit now, so we never have to, even if they take our Bibles, we can still don't have to go through a famine, amen? Because we have the Holy Spirit within us. But our text is going to be in 2 Kings 7, verse 3. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting? Why are we sitting here until we die? If we enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of... If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word this morning, Father. Thank you for those that have come to hear the... Father, may you go before the word and soften the hearts and uh, bless the hearers to hear and receive this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to change batteries on this one? That's a new battery? Well, never mind then. There are times when we as Christians need to take courageous action. Now, I'm going to give you a little backstory to this. As we go along, but I would suggest you you read the story yourself. I always suggest you read the story yourself, and not don't let this be the only Bible you get. Amen. You need to read the story yourself. But there are times when we just need to take action when we're caught between a, a wall and a hard place. Uh, times when we're in the frying pan, and you think that jumping out just going to get you into the fire. Have you ever been there? You're kind of paralyzed because you know you're in a bad situation, but if you move, it might be worse. Amen? So there's times when all you need to do is jump out of a burning ship into the ocean. Why stay there until you die? Let me explain that to you. There was a ship with tankers of oil on the sea going to some country, and the ship accidentally caught fire, and many people perished in the fire. Lifesavers uh, and jackets were destroyed, and, and there was one boy who survived this episode. And when he was interviewed he, and, and asked how he made it, he made this remarkable statement. He said, I knew that if I remained in the ship, I was going to be burnt, but I didn't know what I would face if I jumped in the water. So I jumped in the water, and I survived. I'm reminded of uh, many instances where, you know, we just need to move. Sometimes we go through things, and all we needed to do was move, make a move, bust a move is what we used to call it. Bust a move. But these men here were in serious trouble. They were outcast already because they had leprosy. You know, in the, when you had leprosy in those days, you went outside the city. They kicked you out. I'm not tracking with me. Still not tracking with me. I thought I'll get you forth over. 
Now, so they were outcast from the city, so they were outside because no one was to be in contact with them. Because, see, leprosy was contagious. And, and when you walked and when you saw, they, they couldn't saw you coming down the street. They had to move over to the other side. Amen? And, and, and people would call them unclean. They'd point at them and they'd say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Praise God, I was unclean at one time. Amen. But Jesus healed that. But listen, I just want to tell you this was in a, they were in a precarious, they depended on people to throw food to them. And it was usually garbage. And that's how they survived. So they were in a, a bad situation. And now, now to make matters worse, here comes their enemies to lay siege to their city. It says their borders were besieged by the enemies. And there was death in the city. And there was death outside of the city too because it was famine. Let me... Many people preferred to die in the city just by sitting there in fear. But these fellows chose to do something. They went to the enemy's camp. Amen? Now let me tell you something. I need to show you the difference between besieged and attacked. See, they weren't, the, their city wasn't being attacked. They were besieged. So besieged means to surround with hostile forces, to crowd around, to hem them in, to harass or to importure, fortune, or to cause to feel distressed or worried. Oh, how many of y'all been besieged by stuff before? Hallelujah. I've been besieged. Sometimes when you besiege, you got the bus to move. You see what I'm saying? You're getting this now a little bit, ain't you? So, it's, besieging is not the same as attacking. And uh, if you read that account, you'll see how the Syrians had decided not to enter the land of Israel no more, but they decided to besiege the city, which means they were set up round about the city, and they cut off their supplies. And when you start, this speaks about... Uh, separating you from your source and when you're separated from your source you start drying up and there's a famine y'all gonna get this before i'm done i'm telling you when when you are besieged and you're separated from your source then it stops both the inflow and the outflow you see sometimes we're besieged by circumstances beyond our control Sometimes we can't even help it. It's it, not, not something we did. We just get besieged because, you know, the devil, he, he really has no authority to attack you. So he has to besiege you. And to besiege you, sometimes he uses those people or the circumstances around you. Okay. So... That's what Satan wants to do in the church, in the church, and in the church. He wants to do it to us uh, uh, as a congregation. He wants to do it to us individually, amen? He wants to cut off our life source so that no life flows in and no life flows out. See, Satan don't care if we meet on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday night as long as nothing's flowing out and nothing's coming in. Let me say it again. Satan don't care how many times we meet if we're not receiving and we're not giving out. 
Amen. So we have to make sure that we have a fresh infusion of God's life coming in and and taking and then we take that out of these walls. Hard bunch today, Tony. Rough bunch. That's all right. This word's gonna penetrate right to the marrow. That's what the Bible says, amen. So what happened is we have to keep things moving, keep things moving. That's God's economy. How many of you know that? God's economy is to keep things moving. If somebody blesses you with $100, then you're supposed to keep things moving and not just say, oh, look, I got my $100. You keep it moving. You keep it moving. Don't stop up the pipeline. And it's the same thing. God blesses you with a, a knowledge of the word of God. God blesses you by being saved. You saved. Great. Now move it along. Somebody else needs to get saved too. Amen? We, 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 we're selfish sometimes. We want to keep all God's blessing to ourselves. That's not the way it works. And if you keep doing that, you'll stop getting the blessing. Amen? So, what happened, and I could spend a lot of time talking about that, but what happened in Samaria as a result of the besiegement of Syria is exactly what happens in the church that experiences that kind of demonic ploy and tactic. The Bible says there was a great famine in the land. And there were and are signs of that famine that I believe that we can uh, talk about this morning. I believe that the church in America, there's a great famine. Amen? Because there's really nothing going in to move them, and they're, and they're certainly not taking it to the world. Amen? Because if they were, the world wouldn't be in the shape it's in. Don't shout me down. <laughs> Amen. So, the famine, the Bible says, was so great that they began to sell and eat unthinkable items. You know, when the famine is great, you might turn to the wrong thing. Or it might force you to start looking at things wrongly. One of the things they turned to eating was donkey's heads. Doesn't that sound appetizing to you? Let's have some donkey's head. Donkey. It said, the Bible says it sold for 80 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money back then. But guess what happened with money? You can't eat money. Amen? So money becomes un unconsequential. And it's the same, you know, with us. With, we, we can't eat our money. Amen? Come on. The, let me tell you about the donkey. The donkey is what? A stubborn animal. Tony, are donkeys stubborn? Lonnie and donkey stubborn? They're a stubborn animal. They were eating donkey's head. One of the things that people develop in time of spiritual deprivation and famine is a stubborn mentality. Watch out now. I hope you wore your steel-toed boots. Because when we're in a spiritual famine, we, we start getting stubborn about things, don't we? In fact, as, the, as the, that was the case here, because that that, this was a feast to them to eat a donkey's head. But let me tell you something. It always is going to cost you something when you have a stubborn mentality. Stubbornness is not a fruit of the Spirit. 
contrary to what a lot of people believe. One of the worst things that could possibly happen is for you to develop a spirit of stubbornness. A spirit of stubbornness is a sign of spiritual famine. Watch out. I said, if you're stubborn, you're in a spiritual famine. How do I know? Because the word of God does not produce stubbornness. It's hard to lead stubborn. Preachers do it all the time. We're trying to lead people one way, and they pull in back the other way. They're stubborn. Watch out. I may or may not be talking about anybody here. So, God's Spirit does not produce stubbornness. It produces sensitivity. Amen? Sensitivity. A person feeding on God's Spirit and Word will be sensitive to the direction and the directives to which the Lord is declaring or leading. But a stubborn mentality and a spirit of stubbornness will keep you in the death grip of famine. And it will soon deplete any chance of recovery, restoration, or renewal. Now, y'all going to really like this one. The second thing they were selling was dove's dung. Well, you might think that's nice because this is an actual flower called dove's dung. But that's not what they were selling. They were selling dove's dung, just what you think it is, because they were eating it, because they were hungry. They were in a famine. Amen? So, by the way, I... Uh, Read this whole story. It's really amazing when you get a chance. When people are in a spiritual... Let me say this, too. Doves uh, put us in mind of what in in the Bible? Holy Spirit, right? Doves settled on Jesus. Doves make us think of the Holy Spirit. But let me say this about doves' dung. Doves' dung is not where the dove is anymore. Hello? Hello? The, the dove was there, but he's moved on. Y'all getting this now? So they were, they were eating this dove's dung. Um, it's sickening, and it sounds sickening, and I'm sure it was sickening. Amen? They're pretty. I used to hunt them and eat them, but I didn't eat their dung. Again, dove's dung is where the spirit was. So when people are in a spiritual famine, hello, listen to me now, they begin to focus on where the dove used to be. They begin to talk about how the dove used to be there. The spirit used to be there. One time I was so deep in the spirit, I used to be close to the spirit. Don't shout me down now. They begin to focus on that, and they begin to talk about uh, their testimonies, and, and they're nothing more than a celebration of dove dung. That's what Jesus used to do for me. The dove has moved on. The Holy Spirit had moved on. 
God and Jesus didn't stop doing things because you got a miracle one time 10 years ago. I might get run out of church on this one. He didn't stop doing things. And God, I appreciate every one of us has been a miracle of God, hadn't we? Every one of us. And that same God that delivered you from that miracle five, ten years ago is capable of delivering you from a miracle to a miracle right now to get you through whatever situation you're going through today. It's a test of our faith to whether we're going to believe God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We still got to, 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 to believe that that same God that healed me from that death sentence I got in 2003, that same God can work in my current situation and intervene in my kids who are of a great concern to me right now. But if he can heal me from that death sentence, he can touch my kids and get them saved. Amen? If he can watch over Lonnie and Adeline and Magdalene back during that uh, tornado that they went through, he can also work in your kids' lives and your grandkids' lives to get them saved. When are we going to understand nothing is too difficult for God? There's even a scripture that says it. I'm God. Nothing's too difficult for me. We just, we just, anyway, let me move on. I don't want to go too far off page here. I don't want, I'm tired of living off dove's dung, the past. You know, God has a future for all of us. I'm glad that God has done everything he's done in my life, but I can't wait to see what he's got coming up that's new. Amen? When a church is in a famine or when the church is in a famine, a sign of, is the status of the barn floor. Where, where there is no harvest being brought in, there's a sign of famine. Also, the Bible says that the wine press was empty, which is a type of the fresh flow of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've already talked about the dove's dung, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I already spent too much time there. But there was one area in this passage that gripped me. It's when the Lord said, the barn floor is barren and the wine press is dry. The famine was so bad. Not only were they eating donkey's heads and dove dung, but listen, they were, people were killing each other and eating them. 2 Kings 6, 26. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Both, both of them was dry. And then the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give me your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. The Bible's pretty real. It don't pull no punches, does it? That's a disgusting thought to eat someone's child. It's disgusting this woman even made a deal. Let's eat mine today and we'll eat yours tomorrow. That's a famine. See, people will do anything unethical even in a famine. 
That's why it's important we don't get in a spiritual famine. We'll do stupid things. Amen? You'll do things outside of God's will. It's never God's will for you to boil your son and eat him. That's not of God. But they were in a famine. So desperate times, they did desperate measures. See, I see two things at work here. First, the depletion of the next generation. Now listen to me. They're eating their young. It was said to me one time, Christianity loves to devour their young. Let that sink in for a minute. When people come to the Lord at first, sometimes Christians run them off. Everyone here is in a different spot in their walk with Christ. And God help me if I ever run anybody off because they're not as perfect as I think they should be. You know, when we see someone struggling with sin, we shouldn't talk about them behind their back or we shouldn't accuse them of anything. We should go to them and encourage them and pray with them. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 1, bear one another's burdens. And if you see someone caught in a trespass, go to him. Instead, a lot of people in the church want to step back and just say, uh-huh. Paul even writes, uh, forget exactly where the Ephesians, I think. He says, quit biting and devouring one another. We're eating our own young. We're eating. And look, I'm going to tell you how it's gotten. Have you seen the latest statistics on the, this generation right now? How many are in church? Very few. And the, the, uh, the statistics I saw said that as children turn 18 and 19, they're leaving the church in droves. Why are they leaving the church? They have famine. They have famine. And whose fault is that? Is it the kid's fault? No, when you're a kid... Adults are supposed to take care of kids, aren't they? Isn't that our role? So it's not their fault that they're in a famine. It's the people in the pulpit ministries across the country that have this country in famine. Whew. Get thrown out of some churches for that. So this decline in the youth is... Basically, uh, what's going on in, in the church today with the famine that's coming from behind the pulpit where people aren't feasting on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And when you don't get fed the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, guess what? You start chewing on each other. Because you're in a famine. It's a hard sermon. I didn't think it was going to be this hard to put it together. That's, that's true. Then we wouldn't be in a famine. Paul's admonition to the Galatians was not to consume one another by biting and devouring each other, but I think I have it here. Yeah. I'll just read it to you since I got it. Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. In other words, if you start doing it, beware because you could get it too. That's why it's never a good thing for church people to talk about other church people. I'm reminded of that story where uh, the new convert was in church and the, one of the church ladies drove by and, and she said, uh, went to the board the next day and said, I saw brother so-and-so and he had his, his vehicle was parked out in front of a bar all night last night. So they went to him and he denied any culpability, but what he did was the next night he went and parked his car out in front of her house and then he walked home. Think about that. You'll get it later. The thing is, we can't just constantly be looking for something from people and just constantly be, be trying to pick, 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 pick little things out of our brothers and sisters. Look, at, ain't none of y'all perfect. I ain't perfect. I might make a mistake. If I do, it's your duty to come to me in love and gentleness and not to stand back and point fingers. Glory to God. And it's my duty to do the same with you. We're supposed to be walking in the Spirit, amen? Because if we're not walking in the Spirit, a sign will be that they're chewing on their neighbors and their own families. And that's called spiritual cannibalism. When these two women made this covenant, they agreed to boil both of their children. But when one relented and backed out of the contract and hit her son, I, that was a problem for the one. That she didn't come and, and say, I'm sorry that I ate my son. She came and said, I'm sorry that we can't eat her son too. I see many times when there is a de- desperation caused by a famine When a stubborn spirit, an empty barn floor, and a dry wine press abound, people will begin to want you to do something to get them out of it. Usually something that they won't do themselves. Amen? So how do we beat a famine, preacher? Because um, we we hear all about famine, and, and we know that there is a famine in this land. You know, all we can do is pray for this, this country. Uh, and I'm not quit praying for it, but I believe there's some bad things down the road for us. But I'm still praying for this country. You know why? Because I love people, and I want people to get saved. And it's not God's will that any perish without him. And if we can be a part of that church, we've got to do it. We've got to keep that God's economy flowing. We've got to, to tell people the word of God and quit being so afraid to offend them that we keep our mouth shut when we should be talking. Second Kings 7, 5. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Now remember, these leopards... Lepers had said, I've got to, I got to move. i got to move. Because I'm not, they, what their words were was, why sit here till we die, remember? Why just sit here till we, if you're in a bad situation, why just sit there till you die? you got to make a move, you know? 
And if you're making a move by the Spirit, then it's the right move. Okay. As they, and they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. See, they were going to give themselves up to the Syrians, throw themselves on the mercy of the Syrians. Here's what happened. When they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they looked to one another. Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. They thought a great big army was coming after them. It was just four lepers. Therefore, they arose and they fled at twilight and they left their camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And by the way, their food. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. When Then they came back and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid it. They found a bonanza. This is what God can do for you, though. He can make four lepers sound like a, bit, a great army. If God be for us, who can stand against us? So they go in and they find all this, and this is all great. This is great. They get, they're, all of a sudden, they're rich, and they got food, and they got cattle, and they got horses. Listen, this is, this is money, and if you ever, ever raise cattle, you know cattle's money. Horses are money. That's, that's counted as wealth. So they went in, but here's what they did. They carried it, and they went and hid it. Now, I want you to know something. They had a choice here. Before they ever went, they could go back in the city where the famine was, and they, or they could stay right where they were and not do anything or go surrender. They went right straight into the enemy's camp. But the Lord went before them. So what we find is if we take a chance and we proceed and we move, if we're in touch with the Holy Spirit, then we're moving under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But if we're in a spiritual drought, we must reconnect to get out of that drought. And what I'm trying to say is, why, why sit there in a spiritual drought until you die? Do something. If you're in a spiritual drought, do something. Do what you have to do. Amen? And in this case, God intervened. Amen? We got to take a chance and we got... Look, the lepers weren't sure what the outcome was going to be or what the future was going to hold when they did what they did. But they had to. They had to go in the enemy's camp. And when they got to the enemy's camp, the Lord had already conquered the enemy, so they were able to take possession of the enemy's camp. Thereby opening up for the whole city. Amen? Ending the famine for the entire city. Now, I know it said that. Uh, they hid it. But I want to show you something. Because they moved, God moved before them. They found, the Bible, the Bible says, blessings and riches. Now, blessing equals strength. Strength. 
unlike anything they had ever expected. If you take a chance and you surrender to the direction of the Lord, you will find blessing like you can't even imagine. You need not be worried about how people view you either because remember, these men were lepers. They were outcasts of society. They're the ones that saved the city. All right. They found the gold, which is blessing, the food, which is strength, and then they found the clothes. The Bible says they found clothes. So uh, what does the clothes significant? Uh, the significance in Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. What's he talking about there? The Holy spirit, the Holy ghost was given. Amen. So uh, Jesus said, I'm sending you this. And when you get this Holy spirit, then you're clothed with power from on high. I'm clothed. With power from on high. Y'all must not be getting this. Here, let me help you. Boy. Thank you, I will. So. Here's the problem I had with the city. I mean, the, the lepers. They said, remember, they took and hid the stuff. But Second Kings 7, 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a, is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Your first inclination when you get blessed is to take and hide it. I'm sorry, it just is with most people. I'm, this is mine. I'm taking this. I'm going to put it over here so nobody can find it. I'll tell this story since Rhonda's not here. She used to hide chocolate. I don't eat chocolate anymore, so she don't have to hide it anymore, but she had her little stash of chocolate. That's nothing against her. I mean, she, she, doesn't, she likes chocolate when she's upset. I was glad she did it. Sometimes I'd bring her home a Snickers bar and a Dr. Pepper. That was my peace offering. But the thing I'm trying to say is, you know, when we get blessed and we get the blessing, then our job is not to hide it away. Our job is to share it, to share it. And listen to what these, uh, these lepers said. This is good news. This is good news. So we must share it. What does gospel mean? The word gospel means good news. It's good news. We have the gospel. That's good news. You better not share, hide it. You better share it. Amen? Boy, preacher, you sure went a long ways around to get there. (laughs) 
This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. So, it's great for us to have these things. It's great for us to have the blessing. But God intends for us to be the light of the world. City on a hill. And we are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. And I showed y'all last week where Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Gospel is good news. Why is, there, why is the preacher always telling you to share the gospel? Come on, preacher. It's hard enough to get along with some of these people. It is that. But that's it. They don't have the good news. The good news is this. Today is the day of salvation. The good news is this when you talk to your friends. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the answer, then you can be saved. Now, that don't mean you just repeat that the little sinner's prayer, and then it stops. Because Jesus also said you must be born again. So sometimes when someone says a sinner's prayer, it's just like a woman having a baby. It's just like the first, first trimester for a while. And then they go through a second trimester. But to be completely born again, you know, when it gets birth, it, it takes nine months for a woman to have a baby. It's supposed to. Sometimes... Sometimes get here, some get here a little bit early. But just as it takes a little gestation time for a woman, it takes a little gestation time for Christians. Uh, listen, that's why we have to be patient with them. And when they're, they're young and they're immature in the Lord, we have to help them, not slap them down. Now, when a baby reaches toward the oven... Sometimes you might have to slap his hand and say no. But that's for his own good. That ain't because you want to slap him. That's because you don't want him to get hurt. And that's what we must do when we're nurturing young Christians even in our church body and in our, in our personal lives. The gospel is for everyone. And it's not right to not share the good news. When we move out of our spiritual exile, out of the spiritual famine, and into the enemy's camp, something good is going to happen. Listen, I don't know where everybody is today with your walk with Jesus Christ. You do, and God does. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you've been in a spiritual famine, and you haven't seen God working in the way he, he's done before, maybe you need to step out and go to the enemy's camp. Because Jesus also said this, told Peter, on this rock, the church, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now let me tell you something. Here's what the gates of hell are. The gates of hell aren't locked to keep people in. They're, they're locked to keep you from going there and kicking them in. You understand? Listen to me. 
when you got the power of God in you, you can go to the enemy's camp and you can kick them gates in and you can take back what he stole from you. Because for some of us, he stole our self-respect. Some of us, he stole our dignity. For some of us, he stole our families. But I'm, on, I'm here to tell you this morning, you can go to the enemy's camp and kick down those gates. They will not prevail against you, and you can take back what he stole from me. You know what? I still have my dignity now. I got it back. I got my self-respect back because I got Jesus in me. Now, all those people that knew me back in the day, I don't care what they think about me. I know what God thinks about me, and I know what Jesus thinks about me, and those people aren't going to save me. Anybody that thinks bad about my past, they're not going to save me. Jesus is going to save me, and he, he gives me respect through Christ Jesus. Amen? I thank God so much. He's done so much for me, and if he's done that for you, I hope you praise him for it and let him know how appreciative you are of 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 who you've become because of him. Because in our own selves, we can't become any count for anything. I mean, I know Bill Gates got all the money in the world, and I think he's an atheist. He's nothing. Because on that end day, when we all stand before Jesus, we're all going to bring the same thing to the table. And that's a testimony of our lives. And Bill Gates is going to have to testify to his life. And he's going to say, you know what, Jesus, I gave away billions of dollars to charity. And Jesus is going to say, but did you know me? Did you have a personal relationship with me? Because if you didn't, depart from me because I know you not. I don't never want to hear those words. I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. That's what we're living for. I did a funeral yesterday. A woman that I didn't know, but um, the obituary was flattering. And I'll say this. As far as we know, when someone um, comes to church and they seem to do all the good things... We believe they're saved. And I, I, look, if you tell me you're saved, I believe you're saved. Because that's, that's something I can't decide. It, it, when, when people say you can't judge, we can't, we, here's what we can't judge. Who's going to heaven and who's going to hell? Because there's only one judge of that. So we can't judge who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Now, we can judge people's fruit and what it appears like to us, but don't never make the mistake of trying to put people in heaven or hell because that's God's job and we're it's not not ours so I don't know Tony if the guy living it I don't know if that woman that we met down there in Austin she might be just fine with Jesus for all I know right uh, that's it but the thing is we can't judge people into heaven or hell, but we must judge righteous is what the Bible says. Judge righteously. So when we see someone that's, that we think may be in a danger of being in a spiritual famine, we better go talk to them. You know, it's not 
judging to go to your brother or sister and say, you know, you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do. Is everything okay? Come on. Is there anything I can help you with? Rather than pointing a finger at them and saying, look, that's disgusting. That's what we don't want to do. That's what we don't, the kind of judging we don't want. I'm so glad that Jesus don't judge like that. Because he would have looked at me and pointed his finger and said, you're disgusting. I don't want you in my church. And let me just say this. There are no perfect churches. And if there was a perfect church, none of us here could be a member. Amen? I believe, church, that we're just a bunch of believers doing the best we can to serve the Lord. I believe that we're all earnest and honest with the Lord. And that we love God with all our heart. And uh, unless someone tells me different, I'm going to continue to believe that away. Praise God. Listen, I just want to encourage you. I'm I'm not going to do a big altar call this morning, but I am going to open the altars. Because I feel like... Some, I want to encourage you because sometimes God doesn't, it doesn't feel like God's right there like he was. You know, man, preacher, when I first got saved, God, I could just feel God everywhere I went. He didn't go nowhere. So if, if some are struggling maybe because you don't feel God, I want to encourage you that he hadn't gone nowhere. He's still right there. Maybe we just need to Jump away from the gates and go to the enemy's camp and take back those things that we had. I can't tell you the number of times people have told me, oh, me and God used to have a real close relationship. Well, what happened? Did he leave? He's promised to never leave nor forsake us. So if, if, if you don't have the, you feel like you don't have the, a strong relationship that you used to have, I want to encourage you today is the day to come back home. Today is the day that if, if just like that father saw his uh, prodigal son, all he needs to do is see you coming and he'll run, run to meet you and he'll say, come on in and let's party it up. Just like that father did. So at this point... You can pray where you are, or you can come down to the altar and pray. But I'd like for you to pray. Amen. So would you come? Alex, put some music on.